Hey guys, I just wanted to tell you real quick that Hitler Youngins has been on a little hiatus. They're having some technical issues the last couple of weeks, but uh, they should be back next week with no problems. I did want to bring you guys a little special bonus this week. I had a chance to interview the three stars of the movie The Deeper You Dig, which is currently on Shudder, and uh, man, it was a fun time. You're talking about a talented family. So I thought I'd go ahead, and since there was no Hillbilly Youngins this week, and just go ahead and release this a little bit early, give you guys something to listen to. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. All right, guys, I'm really excited about this one. So I'm, I'm sitting in the chair the other day. I, I very seldom get a chance to watch TV. I'm always usually doing some kind of research or something. And I, I'd gotten ahead of the game and was able to sit down and watch a little TV. And, of course, I'm always going to try to watch something scary. And I went to Shudder, and I'm flipping around, and I'm seeing a couple of movies. And I see one called The Deeper You Dig. And I thought, you know, this looks interesting. I'm going to check it out. I get halfway through the movie, and I'm always sending Kristen suggestions on scary movies to watch. And uh, so I get halfway through the movie, and I send her the suggestion, hey, you need to watch this one. And I get to the end of the movie, and I'm looking at the credits, and I see John Adams. And I'm like, I know that name. He's on my friends list. I wonder if that's the same John Adams. And I go to his profile, and sure enough, there's this movie listed right there on his profile, and I send John a message and said, hey, John, love the movie. I need to get you back on the show. Because John was on probably a year and a half, maybe two years ago, when he came out, uh, him and his uh, daughter Zelda came out with The Hatred, and uh, I had a chance to preview that movie beforehand and uh, really liked it. It was a really unique concept, and uh, we had John on for a little bit. So now... I'm like, John, you know, I need to get you back on because as much as I like The Hatred, this movie was really, uh, in my opinion, just all the way around a step up. Just looked like it had a little bit better budget, the special effects and everything that were in there. Everything just looked a lot uh, higher grade, which is going to happen when you're making movies. You get to finally build your way up and up and up. And uh, John was like, yeah, and I'll even do you better. I'm going to have Zelda and Toby Poser come on and these are the three stars of the entire movie. Now, what you got to know about this group is they're part of, uh, of Wonder Wheel Productions. Now, Wonder Wheel Productions is made up of John and Toby, husband and wife, and their daughters, Lulu and Zelda. And I've got to be honest, this is one of the most talented families I have ever come across because they literally do it all. They write the movies, they produce the movies, they direct the movies, they star in the movies, and they even do the musical score for the movies. And I don't know anybody that does all that. That's like some John Carpenter type stuff, and he didn't even star in the movie. So I want to welcome to the show, after that very long introduction, John, Toby, and Zelda. Thank you guys for coming on with me. Thank you so much for having us. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, thanks, Jerry. All right, so we're going to start with talking a little bit about this particular movie, The Deeper You Dig. Now, I watched it on Shudder, and I know not everybody has Shudder, um, but a lot of people do. It's a growing uh, streaming service. And there's also another streaming service called Arrow, A-R-R-O-W, that is also streaming this. So I would advise anybody who has not seen this 
to go watch The Deeper You Dig. This is a very eerie movie from start to finish. It just has a feel about it. And I'm sure that's what you guys intended to do. Um, creepy. I mean, it's just very well done and creepy. John, tell me a little bit about what the thought process was on on the whole idea and the premise of this movie. And, and let's start before we even get into that. Tell everybody what the movie is about for those who haven't seen it. Toby should tell you what the movie's about because she's great at nailing that elevator pitch. And she's looking at me like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> well, I it's about three lives that collide in in spooky and um, devilish ways af- in the aftermath of a murder. And it, there's a mother, a daughter, and their mysterious neighbor. And there's uh, a lot of guilt, revenge, a mother's unconditional love with some blood and sawzalls thrown in for good measure. <laughs> <laughs> so the finished product, like I, like I said, the whole movie just has a feel to it. it you, you almost feel like something strange is going to happen every second of it. Was that the intention? Did it come out like you wanted it to? That's great that you that you feel that way. That is exactly what we were hoping to do. We wanted to show that haunted feeling that someone would have after they've committed a horrendous act. You know, we all are, we all, we all hold a level of guilt inside ourselves. And what we wanted to do is really explore, you know, Kurt, the main character's guilt and how profoundly it affects him and, and kind of where it comes from. We wanted to animate that guilt. And, and that's what we do through, um, Zelda's character, who, who's the victim of you know murder that he's committed, and to show that she's pressing down that pressure of guilt on this guy and basically pushing him to madness. And we hoped to do that in lots of different ways with sound and with cinematography. And what do you think, Z? Yeah, I think that we tried to you know build that tone of eeriness and spookiness everywhere that we could and even through the environment i thought that the environment played a really big role in the spook factor of the movie yeah the environment was the, the fact that you know and I, I, it's not really a spoiler alert so I'll, I'll, I'll tell some of this you know john your character kurt is basically there to flip a house and right that house first of all there's no way one man's flipping that house that's a lot of work to be done but the house has like no drywall in it at all. It's just basically bare, you know, studs, and and you're in there working by yourself, which obviously leaves a lot of um, alone time for things to creep into your mind, which I'm sure was the the intention there. Uh, but just the whole fact that you're there to flip a house, the neighbors are there just living their life, and and of course. Toby, the your your character is a, a medium basically who who tries to help people, you know, connect with loved ones and what have you after they're done. And if I if I initially tell people that, they're probably going to think that that plays a lot bigger role in the movie. And I think they'll be surprised at at how that character actually progresses, and how the the role of medium is not as big a role as I initially thought it was going to be from the very beginning. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and also I, I think it's something that really comes back to bite Ivy, my character, on, on the ass because she's been 
misusing her talents as a medium. And so there's a lot of karmic, you know, retribution there. Um, in fact, it's one of my fa- most my favorite scenes in the film is uh, the scene when it comes back to bite her in the ass after taking money from poor old women who just want to talk to their dead husbands. Um, when Ivy wants to talk to her dead daughter, she's going to pay the price for um, having misused her gifts. <laughs> so the movie is fantastic, and I, and I don't use that loosely. I'm one of these people that... I'll watch almost anything just to kill time, but it seems like anymore I don't find the enjoyment out of most movies. I'll, I'll you know, I'll watch it. I'll be like, oh, that was all right. You know, it was it was worth my hour and a half or whatever. You know, I didn't feel like I wasted my time. Because if I get 20 minutes into a movie and I'm not into it, I just turn it off. I won't finish watching it. This movie, I thought, had all the elements of a classic uh, thriller. And I was noticing that uh, you guys got ranked in like, a Yahoo article that was listing like the 12 most underrated movies that you need to see. And you guys were in that list. So that's pretty impressive. We've been so fortunate at how the press has taken to the deeper you dig. It's just been a really wonderful trip and people seem to enjoy the, like what's behind the story. They, they like the structure or what's the best way to put it? Like, People seem to like the depth of the tale. It's like the telltale heart or something like that. Like they like, um, it's just been really. Yeah, I don't think that we do it for, you know, the credit or the percentage rating on Rotten Tomatoes, but it does feel good to get some nice recognition. It does. It does feel good. I want to, speaking of, of uh, the deeper you dig, I did a little digging myself and, uh, John, is it my understanding that you used to be a professional model for Armani and Calvin Klein, amongst others? (laughs) It's true. Believe it or not. You look at my picture, and who who would believe it? But yes, I had a really fun, lucky career being a model in uh, the 90s and into the 2000s, but I really had a great run in the 90s that was just pretty magic, and I got to meet and, and hang out a lot with uh, Calvin Klein, Giorgio Armani, Gianni Versace. Um, I was, be, besides doing a lot of runway and a lot of their print advertising and some of their commercials, I also did a lot of their fittings for them. And so what was fun about doing fittings for these designers was that you actually spent a ton of time and really became friends with them because you're you know doing a whole season of clothes as they go through the process of changing them. So I really got to hang out with some like Giorgio Armani and, and Calvin Klein, especially, and both of them were super terrific people and really nice and, and great friends and did a lot for me. It was very fun, very lucky. So, like, could you pick up the phone right now and contact Calvin Klein or Giorgio Armani? Well, I don't speak Italian, so if I called Giorgio Armani, <laughs> I'd have to talk to his bodyguard first, which uh, <laughs> is pretty hard to get through. But Calvin, I was good friends with Calvin, and, and but yeah, I, he just treated me incredibly well, just like what was wonderful about Calvin, and he did this with everybody, is you walked in, and you were just Calvin's friend, and he didn't look down on you, he looked straight at you. See, I feel like we got a lot in common, because you were a model for Armani and Calvin Klein, and I used to wear cologne made by both of those guys, so... 
That puts us almost in the same category. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, I'm going to move on to Toby now. So, Toby, you've been on some episodes of, like, Law & Order and stuff, but you had a, a lengthy stint on The Guiding Light. Is that correct? I did, yeah. I was a contract player on The Guiding Light in the mid to late 90s. I played Amanda Spaulding, who was really fun because she was a bit of a bad girl, and if you're going to be on a soap, it's kind of fun if you get to be the wicked girl. <laughs> <laughs> So, look, I'm going to be honest, and I, I'm, I'm looking back, and I know everything's not as it seems, but, so we go back, you know, in the 90s, John just got off of, uh, off of a, a nice stint traveling around the world with all these fabulous designers being a model, you're, you're doing, you know, the guiding light and stuff, that seems like a pretty cool setup for both of you guys. You know, we were talking recently about how we used to eat out at a lot of nice restaurants back in the day. <laughs> back in those days, we had a lot of nice dates at, you know, French cafes, and we thought we were really fabulous, and I guess we kind of were for a while. Yeah, we were never fabulous. <laughs> we might have thought we were fabulous, but we weren't. Well, we, we certainly were pretending really well. Um, yeah, but the fun thing was both of us were also so opposite from, like, I was very opposite from the glamour puss I played on the soap and John, although he looks really good in his suit, he's most comfortable in, you know, beat up Adidas on a desert, you know, trail in the middle of nowhere. And, and I like that, too. So whenever we had time, we were always taken off going hiking in, you know, in the desert. And and we we and never like living in a tent or even without a tent. So um that was, I think we really clicked. But also what was cool about uh, being with Toby is when I met Toby, so we were both running hot. Our engines were running hot. We were having a great time. But you know that world. Um, it's high and it's low. And basically a couple years into our relationship, we both hit a low. And what was great was that our relationship just got stronger when suddenly we had nothing. And we were laughing with our kids. Lulu was asking us some questions about those times. And she she was reminding us of a story where we sat in New York City on our steps trying to figure out how we were going to come up with $900 to pay rent. And that's that's like, you know, that's coming from someone who was on a soap opera and then someone who was, you know, walking the runway, feeling feeling cool. And, and then suddenly the carpet gets pulled out from under you and you're kind of left with what you have. And what was nice that I was left with Toby and and. It was pretty sweet, and we pulled it off. And Lulu, yeah, Lulu, yeah. Right, we had this little kid in our arms, and, you know, we had no money, and it just went that way. You know, we both had bad luck, or I don't think it's bad luck, but we both had bad financial luck, and, and suddenly we had to think, and luckily we had a good team going. Yeah, when, you, when you've got each other, and you really it, love each other, you realize that you can get through anything. Definitely. That's right. That's right. So let's talk about Lulu real quick. She couldn't be with us. Uh, and, and I'm going to brag on Zelda here in a second. So, uh, Mom, Dad, I'll give you a chance real quick to tell us about Lulu. Well, first of all, Jerry, I am so like honored that you're bringing her up. It means a lot to us because she is a part of the family. And she happened to be studying abroad in France that year that we were making the Deeper You Dig, so she wasn't in this. But with every other film, she's involved. If not acting, 
she's often behind the camera, you know, running the cameras or helping with the sound. And in the new film we're working on, she's back acting, and she's so great. She really injects anything we do with great energy. She's just kind of a volcanic personality. Um, and so, yeah, so now she's living in Portland, Oregon. Um, she speaks French. And she's teaching French to kids and work helping to take care of kids in this really cool school that's focused on outdoor play. She's just rocking and a wonderful person. That's cool. I am so with that. We it was fun. Zelda and Lulu and I just kicked a ball around for the last four days on this Oregon beach that we're camped at. And Lulu's it's nice when you have kids and they grow up and they're independent and you remain great friends with them. It's a real lucky lucky card to get played back at you mm -hmm. and that beach you you guys are on looks absolutely beautiful i saw a little bit of video from there so yeah it looks cold it's though incredible. i'm not gonna lie it looks cold <laughs> <laughs> all right zelda we get to brag on you a little bit now <laughs> so your dad is is you know in a, in some bands and you're in the bands as well as a drummer and as a singer how cool is that? I love it so much. I, I love music, so it feels so cool to be able to get to play music and learn it um, firsthand. And I, I just love it, and I get to do it with the people I love. I get to do it with John and Toby, and uh, yeah. So see, it's, it's amazing when I... Now, that part I think is amazing because, and, and I want to mention everybody because they probably don't know. You just turned seventeen, like a couple of days ago, right? Yeah, I did. And you know, when you guys, when when you and John did the hatred, you were what, probably fourteen years old. I think I was probably around maybe maybe thirteen, maybe okay. fourteen. Um, it was a while ago, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, and you were amazing in that, and. Now I find out that you do some directing and some behind-the-camera stuff and been doing that since you were nine years old. <laughs> I mean, that's incredible to me. I mean, this just the knowledge that, that you have to know to be able to sit behind a camera and do all of that. I mean, I could be, I literally could probably only really sit behind the camera at nine and you're actually functioning. <laughs> well... All the thanks goes to John and Toby for letting me grow up with an experience like that. And I'm truly grateful for it. Um, I love cinematography. I think it's my favorite aspect of filmmaking because I get to put my thoughts into pictures. <laughs> I think what's really fun about working with Zelda is Zelda comes from a different generation. And so she brings that to the table when we're talking film. Like, you know, we grew up on 70s film and 80s film. And, and that has a certain style to it. And what's really fun is Zelda's grown up with an entirely different thing. And even now you throw in things like TikTok and YouTube and, I don't know, your Instagram videos and things like that. And I think that's really fun that, that these generations, um, well, that we're learning from her. She's learning from us. But together, you know, we get to try to pull off some cool, creative, hopefully some new concepts, mixing old and mixing new and, you know, trying to be original. And I think that that's what's really fun about working with a different generation. I think sometimes one generation looks at the other generation and says, you know, they don't know what they're doing. They, they look at TikTok and they're idiots. 
I think what's cool is that these kids are looking at TikTok and they're not idiots. It's like when my parents looked at me and said, he likes punk rock. What a fool, <laughs> you know? And it's like, it's fun to, to, to cross pollinate here ideas. And I think Zelda brings some really cool stuff to the table. Aw, shucks. Aw, shucks. <laughs> and you did that more and more. Like, the hatred was, was fun for us. She was more into the violent aspect of it. You just wanted to... I remember one of the reasons you wanted to do a movie like The Hatred because you wanted to kill people. <laughs> nice. The Hatred, yes. the hatred yeah. is on Amazon, so if you guys are listening and want to go check that out, tell us a little bit about the premise of, of The Hatred. Well, we wanted to experiment with horror... So John and I decided decided to set out and make a little horror film. And we like to say that it's one long, dark poem. <laughs> but John can kind of go more into depth about what it's about. Yeah, no, I think you nailed it. We wanted to make a really dark poem. Unfortunately, I hate to say this because I don't, because this is not political, but I think that, like, the there's a feeling in the United States that we all together need to get rid of, which is a feeling of hatred. And, and I think that movie was a, a metaphor for hatred and what it does. If you, if you breed hatred, it doesn't go away and it gets angrier and angrier and you pass it to the youth. And that's what the hatred was about. It's a big, dark poem about how we will pass hatred to our kids. And I don't think we need to. I love this country and... Uh, I love both wings of the airplane because it's fly in the middle. And the hatred was just a metaphor for let's not do this. <laughs> and what sucks for you guys is when, when y'all released that, there was another movie that came out that was a bigger name movie that was released in all the movie theaters that was called The Hatred also. and That's right, yes. It, completely different stories altogether. But so this one, just make sure and you look it up. But but the the premise behind this movie was basically a, a, a young girl, which is Zelda. Uh, she gets her family's killed, and she's able to somehow bring back like this warrior to try to get revenge on the soldiers that killed her family. And it's just a really it's a really cool concept, you know. It's like uh, Colonial Days Pumpkinhead. Yeah, you thank you. That was a perfect pitch of what that movie's about <laughs> we're gonna have to quote that <laughs> all right zelda i got a one quick question in in the deeper you dig you have some very haunting scenes to where you are basically trying to get in the head of kurt which is played by your father how weird is it doing those scenes how can you do those scenes and be looking at your father, but at the same time have to completely dismiss the fact that that's your father and that's a character that's done something horrible to you in the movie. Is that like a little weird or is it, does that take some getting used to? I guess it could be considered weird, but I try to put myself in the headspace where I'm like, hey, I am this character. I am trying to get revenge. I want to get back to my mother. So... I just put that thought of love in my mind, and I acted. No, um, <laughs> I, I really wanted to play around with how the ghost story was flipped around on itself. Because many times in movies, the ghost is the antagonist, you know, the evil person. 
But I was really intrigued by the idea of having um, the ghost be the protagonist, the good guy getting revenge. And for the record, you really shouldn't have been sledding at that time of night. But that's just me. Wait, wait, what did you say? I said, she, I said she really shouldn't have been sledding at that time of night, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How dare Kids. I? <laughs> she didn't listen to her mother. <laughs> Toby, tell everybody before we get off here how they can keep track of, of what you guys are doing, any future gigs that you got going on, the band, everything. Uh, yeah, well, on our website, which is just simply wonderwheelproductions.com, um, they, it shows all the films we've, we've done, and you can access them there. And, and they also have tons of music videos from the various band um, incarnations on the website. Um, and then, yeah, we, we, we kind of poke around, you know, on, on social media and stuff. And then, and then uh, but what we're up to now and a lot of what we're doing right now, while we're, right now we're traveling in a trailer um, that we're pulling along because Zelda's remote learning anyway during the pandemic. So we're traveling across this beautiful country, shooting in all these cool places, some stuff for our new film we're working on called Hellbender. And right now we're in uh, Oregon on the coast shooting some really cool stuff here for Hellbender. And it's like I mentioned earlier, you guys not only do the movies and, and all that, but you also do the music for the movies as well, which I thought I thought was pretty awesome. Yeah, we love doing that. Um, it's super fun. Zelda and I, I have a band called Hellbender, and now we invited Toby into the band because he's got a great voice. So um, we love doing the music together, and it's a lot of fun to put, you know, that to the visuals. You know, it's a great part of editing is audio and video, putting that together. Um, one of the things we're working on with Hellbender, I think that you'll like this. Um, when I was, when we're trying to in our in our in our new movie, we're trying to show the the mix of reality and like the ghost dream world and you know you're a master of this stuff so i thought you might enjoy the idea that when i was growing up i had something called um they call it night terror you know about night terror yes and so what the what what happened with me in night terror is i would wake up uh in the you know wake up and and the dream or whatever it was would continue. So I would walk to the kitchen for breakfast, but still have, I'd still be dreaming. And it was super odd and very weird. And it was hard to, my parents had a hard time getting me out of that, that whole situation. And um, it lasted for a while when I was like from age 13 to about 15, where I would have these things called night terror. And one of the things we really want to do with our next movie is try to kind of show that, terrifying phenomena and it's hard in film but i think we're getting close to it it's a it's a really like what what is it what's it mean and and you know i don't know what your ideas are on night terror or your fans out there on night terror but i think it's something that's pretty fascinating and one of the things that's happened lately is i've been having some episodes of night terror lately where um i've two times recently I woke up and one time there was a, a a young girl looking up up at the sky when I woke up and I saw her and she was in our room were you were you there when I had that one or were you downstairs 
I'm not sure. And then the other one that I had the was an old woman was looking down at me when I woke up and she just stayed there looking at me and I screamed and <laughs> the girls heard me screaming and they're like, Dad, what's up? And I was like, you just can't believe what I just saw. <laughs> this this woman was just staring at me. And they, they got the biggest kick out of it. I did not get the biggest kick out of it. I bet. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm, we're kind of working that out with our next movie, Hellbender, just as like a way to kind of exercise what that is. Not really sure exactly what it is. And I'm interested in what your what your fans and what you think that that phenomenon is. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I've always had this the thought that night terrors is just literally something that's in your mind that's causing it. I mean, and I, and when I say that, I mean something that's purposely causing it, like a spirit, like a, uh, a, a an entity or something like that. That's always been my thought process. I don't think those things happen randomly. So, have you had them? I've not had very many. I've had one or two, especially a continuous dream that, like I said, three or four straight nights, you'll, you'll pick right back up where you left off. Um, oh, that's interesting. But they don't seem to really make any sense to me, if that makes any sense. I can't really find where it equates to my, to what's going on in real life or where it, what, what right. path it's trying to lead me down. Right. Well, we're exploring that with our next one. Nice. So, very cool. Well, I appreciate you guys taking some time out of your busy schedule to come on and talk to us for a little bit. And uh, we're definitely going to keep everybody uh, abreast of anything new you got going on. So anytime, you know, when you release this new movie or anything in the future, just get with me and I'll make sure we spread the word. Thank you so much. Hey, and congratulations on, on your book. Thank you so much. Let me know when y'all want to make that movie. And it'll be fine. I'll try to hook George Clooney yeah, up. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty interesting movie, actually. Now we're back to kind of like drama and real, some real issues. That sounds great. <laughs> well, we bought your book, so we're gonna we'll we'll start making some notes on production notes. <laughs> yeah. Now, are like, you gonna be the star? Well, no. I, I'm thinking George Clooney. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you you know, you've got the modeling experience, and and you you've got the acting. You might as well just do the, do it yourself. There's no sense. That's you know, I don't feel like in in movies if you've got even an autobiographical. I, I know sometimes you have to you know, look the part. But sometimes if a story is good enough, you know, like then these, these uh, little TV shows where they do the, the reprisals of, of the um, uh, stories going on, they always have somebody that doesn't look exactly like the person anyway. So hell, nobody wants to look yeah, at me I on TV. Yeah, I story so. tells itself. I'm with you on that. Yeah, I need, to, I need somebody to jazz me up. Nobody wants to see me. Otherwise, it'd just be like, you know, the other Adams family with Uncle Fester. And that's not going to do good for anybody. <laughs> Jerry, thank you. You're it's welcome, really great. guys. Great to be on your show. Great to be a part of what you do. Yep. Hi to Tracy, too. I will. Thank you be so much. Best of luck in the future to everything you guys do. You guys are a real inspiration. So I hope you realize that. Thank you. Thanks thank a lot. you.